0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Keep Calm and Cope CoronaCast. You're probably hearing a different voice to kick off this week. This is Lindsay Griffiths, and I'm here with my friends, Susan Freeman and Marcy Schunk. Uh, Katie Barnard will be joining us next week. She's very busy with work. We're happy to have her. Um, And uh, this week, we are going to be talking about a Japanese concept called Ikigai, and our host for this week is going to be Marcy. So, Marcy, I will turn it over to you to kick us off.
1: Fabulous. Thank you, Lindsay. So, it's interesting. This is a concept that is new to me in terms of having a label, um, but not new to me in terms of what it is, because it's something I feel like I've been striving for for some time. But. Ikigai is a word, it's composed of two words. It's iki, which means life, and gai, which means value or worth. So ikigai is really about finding value in living or your life's work. And the concept itself originates in Okinawa, and that is the birthplace of karate. It is also home to the highest percentage of centurions, is that the right word, Um, that (laughs) <laughs> and it's known for longevity. And so constantly scientists are going over there trying to research and understand like what are the aspects and elements of the lifestyle in Okinawa that leads people to these, these longer lives. So last week, and one of the things I think this is so interesting in the context of what we're going through right now in the pandemic Is I was having an interesting discussion with my neighbor standing across the lawn last week uh, And we were talking about a local music school that had recently laid off a number of their instructors and This family's favorite guitar teacher was one of those instructors And she was telling me how because they loved this person so much they reached out to him directly and said look You know, we would love to continue working with you. Are you? Interested, and it was, I think, took him a little bit by shock at first. And then he took a moment overnight, and the next day came back and thought, Well, why not? Right? This is an environment where you, you, there's not as much to lose. Uh, and so, there's an opportunity for quite a few people, given you know, things that are not going well for them, to look at it conversely as an opportunity to take a risk that they may not otherwise have taken and so i think coming out of this we may see a little bit more in this economy of you know why not pursue my passion why not pursue something that i love if i'm in a situation where i'm no longer managing the same routine that i that i once was so let's explore a little bit more of this whole concept i'm going to read the first two paragraphs of a recent article that i that sparked this discussion that I came across that even introduced the concept to me, which I know is much more familiar to others. So this is a quote, many of us spend our entire lives trying to achieve happiness and the perfect life balance to leave us fulfilled. So what is the key to living a full fruitful life? In Japan, a concept called Ikigai is central to finding one satisfaction and meaning in life. In fact, Ikigai translates to reason for being. Interestingly, ikigai is certainly not tied just to financial status. It's more about what puts a smile on your face when you wake up in the morning and keeps you motivated. Finding your ikigai can be a long process that requires deep reflection into wants and needs in all areas of your life. In short, it's finding the answer to the question, what should I do with my life? So the article has a great Venn diagram and I will, that was end quote. The article has a great Venn diagram. We will share the links to the article as well as a fabulous TED talk that I highly recommend, which I have to say had me laughing and was so wonderful by Tim Tamashiru called How to Ikigai. And in it, one of the, I guess, most memorable parts at the beginning was just the pronunciation of Ikigai. And he made it very clear that it, the pronunciation is not icky guy <laughs> and goes, goes on this whole thing about the icky guy, and I'm not the icky guy. And so it, it made it very memorable, <laughs> which was great. Uh, but he, he was a joy to watch. But the Venn diagram in the article talks about what we're looking for, which is the intersection of four key areas so, what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs and what you can be rewarded for. And I have since, in preparation for this, been talking to various people about this concept. And everybody seems to feel like they've got a couple of these covered, but I have yet to find somebody who says, yes, I have hit all four of these, and I have found the intersection of all four. So I am curious. And I, Susan, I'm actually quite curious because I think you are in many ways pursuing this in your life. And I would love to hear a little bit about that. And so what are some of the ways that you've found Ikigai in your life?
2: Nice, nice. So I have heard of this concept before. It was introduced to me by one of my podcast guests, uh, Melissa Mahoney. And I, she sent me a book. She actually wrote a book as well. And so she sent me the book on Ikigai and her book that she wrote as well. And I feel like I always talk about when your passion meets your skill set, then the Venn diagram in the middle affords you your purpose. And I do feel like I have found that with now owning and operating my own business, where the mission means more than the money, but I'm still getting paid to do something great that changes the world. So this Venn diagram is a lot more uh, involved and robust and flower-like. And I love it. It's beautiful. So I do believe that I have found my ikigai in what I do because I'm passionate about it. My, I'm mission-driven. It is my profession. I feel like it's a calling what I do. Uh, when people hear my personal story about bias and discrimination and so forth, And as a white woman, I know my privilege and I use my voice to represent others, um, like other minorities, minorities, uh, people of color, women of color, uh, Asian Americans and so forth. So I think I found my ikigai. So I think you found your friend who knows what it is, lives it, loves it and, you know, shows it, walks it, am grateful for it. Yeah, that's super cool. What about you, Lens?
0: Uh, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll be the that. Uh, uh, I'm definitely Susan said, but not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I and I mean, you know, knowing you so well and, and looking quite closely at this Venn diagram, I, I absolutely see how all of those pieces intersect to form um, form ikigai for you and, and what you do. Um, I definitely have some of those pieces together for me. Um, you know, my, you know, what I'm good at and what I can be paid for is definitely my profession. Sometimes I'm absolutely passionate about it. So I, I feel like sometimes that overlaps in in different ways and, you know, that lights a fire under me and I, I see glimpses of that. And it just has to be the right moment uh, the yeah. And then not, you know, the things that I'm really passionate about come up in different ways. Um, so, you know, I think I'm still seeking what it is that I'm really passionate about and, and what the world needs. Um, so I, I find that in, in different ways. Um, so I, I feel like I put together different pieces of that to, to find it. So I'm not quite there yet. You're
2: probably on your way. I mean, I'm 53, so it wasn't. A fast or easy journey um, but part of the guy in my experience is learning what to let go of and you know finding happiness through gratitude in good and so-called bad situations but really finding what to let go of and sometimes when I was younger I wasn't in a position to say well screw that let that go move on um, or Maybe I was too immature and thought I can control this when really I couldn't. So, some of this comes for me uh, from experience, age. I guess we call it wisdom, but I feel like now I'm really aging myself. I'm not 90. <laughs> I'm not 90, but <laughs> I guess she can be wise at, in your 50s and 40s, um, 30s, you know. So, Marcy, this is such a great topic. I think I'm going to um, incorporate a module in my work on Ikigai.
1: I, I think it would be amazing. I mean, when you think about the idea of coaching people through something like this, so in doing some leadership coaching coaching and business development coaching, you get to touch on some of these pieces, but you're not really getting to the crux of it's not career coaching, which I think might be closer to to getting to this. And it's interesting what you just said, Susan, about the idea that as we get older, we get some uh, maybe a better sense of how to integrate all of these pieces into a pursuit whereas it was when I was listening to some of the stories that were out there and reading articles and hearing people talk about Ikigai it what was interesting to me or what struck me is that most of the people I listened to would go back to their roots in some way so they ended up going back to these passions that they had as children or young adults And finding that piece was really the piece that drove them and was the piece that they loved. And then building with all of what they had learned, either in a business context or through their various academic pursuits, applying that on top of their love and passion to then create something out of it that gave them all of the facets. So it really felt almost like a layering process. But it also felt like, you know, we're going back to these. Gut instincts that we tend to set aside along the way, in order to make money or have a career or be independent. So I I found that that was fascinating, and it made me start thinking about well, what when I was young were the things that I loved to do, and I've always loved learning. So that I, I think in some ways I have I am doing what I love, I'm doing what I'm good at, I can be paid for it. I am not sure that the world needs what I do. So that's the one piece that I. I guess for me, I question is does the world need somebody to help hundred million and billion dollar businesses go to market better? I, I don't know. I think I would say yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think And you know, folks, I-
1: if you're
2: listening and you can answer yes to that question, you need to call Marcy and hire Marcy. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally agree. Um you know, and it, it's interesting because I ask myself that question a lot. Um, I think you know, need is such a, a subjective question, and it's hard because there is different levels of need. And I think when you are somebody who is empathetic and sensitive, you want to feel like need is something where you're really digging in and helping people on a on a granular level, but isn't there also that value in helping a business because um that does employ people it does maybe make them more efficient it does help i mean you know there i think there can be an argument certainly made for uh for that too um it's it's a tough question um but uh you know it's interesting what you said marcy about layering on your business acumen and the things that you learn as an adult back onto the passions that you had as a child. And I think there will be times when you know we get asked like what when was the last time you were truly happy? And and when you look back at uh some of your childhood years. And I, I know you know some of us have had difficult childhoods. Um I, I didn't, I'm not indicating that I did, but uh you know I had this one photo of myself ziplining in my backyard. And, um, I remember what age I was and I don't like heights, so don't get me wrong. I, zip lining is not my thing, but, um, but it's this picture of myself that's, you know, pure joy. So I always think of that image of myself as being truly happy. And, you know, I love to draw and read and go to school and hang out with my sisters and stuff like that. Um, and finding a way to incorporate that with what I know now, um, would be, Something that would uh, bring me a tremendous amount of joy. So, uh, yeah, giving that some thought would be really interesting.
2: You know, Marcy, um, I want to say something about doing something you love and then not making the money to pay the the bills. Because I Mm -hmm. used to, I was very guilty of this, and sometimes catch myself. In fact, I had a what what seems to be is still a really big opportunity with a really large company, a billion dollar company. And I ended up giving away so much stuff up front as what I thought was a value add that my colleague was like, you know, that was about $25,000 worth of work you just gave away. And I'm still learning that lesson that because I love it so much and the world needs it so much and I'm good at doing it, that it's okay to charge for it. It's, you know, it's worth what you would charge for it. So I guess there's one area where I could work on it more. And um, when you asked that question about, you know, this kind of work is not sustainable unless you're getting paid to do it. So that is true. And I need to understand that because it comes easy to me and I'm super passionate about it and I have a lot of resources and I've lived a long, wonderful life. um, I still need to charge people for access to that. Not only information, but implementation.
1: Mm -hmm. And as long as that doesn't change the joy that it brings to you. So I, back, I don't know, I think I was, it was before I was pregnant with my first child. So it was over over 11 years ago. Oh my goodness, it's birthday this so week. And <laughs> yeah, I was doing this Pilates class every Saturday morning and the Pilates instructor, and I loved Pilates. It was like, I just... It was something that I was passionate about. I had been doing it for years. I had grown up dancing. And so it was just a natural um, shift for me. And so I was doing Pilates every Saturday morning with this one instructor that I adored, plus doing it during the week. And the Saturday morning instructor got pregnant. And so she was going to be leaving. And I refused and said, no, like I, I need this class, so I'm going to go get certified. So I went and got certified to teach Pilates, and then I went and got certified to teach Pilates to pregnant women once I got pregnant so that I could continue doing Pilates. And I, at the time, thought, wow, this is fantastic. I am doing something that I am passionate about and that I love to do, and now I'm going to get paid for it, and isn't this wonderful? And once I started getting paid for it, I'm like, I don't really like it as much anymore. <laughs> I It took away something from it. And yeah. I don't know how to describe it. But I think that that's, that's a real result it, that can happen as well. It yeah.
2: is. That's how I feel about my um, podcast, the Wonder Woman in Business podcast people are like, why haven't you monetized it? And you need to learn how to monetize it and switch it to something that helps make you money. And I said, but then I would lose all the joy in it. It's not work. It's something I do for other people. Then it's becomes something I just do for me. And that's not why I do it. So I get what you're saying that there's no joy in that for me. now this other thing I do need to, you know, maintain a business, but for my podcast, That would be really creepy, don't you think? For 178 episodes, I did it for a giving because it was about other. And then I switched to charging for it, making it about me. I don't think so.
0: Well, and I think it also changes the way that you have to think about future episodes. And I mean, I I come at this from um, a similar situation because I'm a photographer. And so I started a photography business. And once I did that, it was, you know, then you have to think about advertising and you have to work with, you you consider them clients. You have to work with clients and you, you would approach each episode in a certain way. And you have to hustle to really get it out there. And, you know, rather than it being organic. And I think that it changes the relationship with your guests in that case. And I, it makes, it creates a sort of icky, not icky guy, but an icky layer. (laughs) Uh, You know, as as you say, it changes the whole dynamic and it puts more pressure on you as the host. And then in this case, you know, me as the photographer to, um, to not be as creative because you feel like it needs to hit this certain monetary value in order for you to keep doing it. And that's not the reason you're doing it. So um, yeah, I, I totally agree. So I think in certain cases, Marcy, as you said, if you're doing it and it's a labor of love and it's because you love doing it, and that's the reason, adding in that monetary piece can certainly change why you do it and make it something that you don't love as much. So yeah, I think in certain cases, you have to be really careful about what your purpose is. And some things just need to stay a passion project. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to monetize everything you do because you think that it's going to lead to this particular uh, type of thing.
2: I know, right? We're not Britney Spears.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) One of the ideas that was thrown out there, and I'm curious if you think this is, Viable is the concept of part-time Ikigai. So if it's not your full-time job at the outset or ever, it's just more of a a side hustle. And then he used a statistic. This is again, going back to um, Tim Tamashiro Used the statistic that said up to 50% of millennials have side hustles, which I love. I think, yes, I was surprised. I, I knew that it, that, that it existed. I didn't know that the percentage was that high. And, I don't know. There's part of me that loves that. And then there's part of me that finds it a little depressing because in some ways I feel like it means that the, what they're doing with the other part of their time isn't as rewarding. So, ah, but you're
2: association, you're associating rewarding with money. And I think research shows that millennials care more about happiness than money. They'll turn down a high paying, you know, job at a law firm where the hourly rate is high, but they're expected to bill, bill, bill all the time. They'll say, forget that. I want work family integration or personal life, professional life integration. Yeah. It yeah,
0: would probably yeah. on. I am on millennial the in way. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it would depend on what the side hustle was giving them. If the side hustle is a passion project for them, then it's not feeling like work. But if the side hustle is because they're not making enough money at their full time exactly. job, then it's just then it is sad because we're not paying them enough. Is I think you know that's that's a different. That,
2: that's exactly right. That's what I think too. Not to say that because I think it, it's exactly right. I just think you're spot on with that, Lindsay.
1: Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, no idea <laughs> what's,
0: what's actually happening. So yeah, I think it would have to be. We'd have to dig into that data a little bit further. Lindsay for the win.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day about these random things that I've done as side hustles that really it's not about making money it's just I have a satisfaction in getting bargains it's just something I love makes me a, happy especially love I, it. I actually made a comment um a guy that I'm dating invited me to go To a furniture store, and I looked at the furniture store, and and it's it's actually a very eclectic store. It doesn't have just furniture; it's all sorts of home furnishings and little gifts, and it's like multiple buildings worth of things, and it looks amazing. But when I first went to it, I thought it was just this high-priced stuff. And I wrote back, and I said, I don't like spending money; it makes me angry and resentful. I would (laughs) rather get, you know, find a really good deal. And he wrote back that. I think that is perhaps one of the sexiest things a woman has ever said. (laughs) (laughs) That was just the best pickup line ever. (laughs) ever, (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) So, anyway, so I have done the side hustle where I would take my children's old clothes and take photos of them and upload them to this. There's a App that you can use to sell used clothing for children, and then I would get so much joy from the fact that I would send these things out, and then I would have a little bit of money to then buy them other things and it wasn't about the money, right? It wasn't about the it was just really this little side thing that it made me feel like I was doing something good in that you know why waste these clothes that my children have worn you know ten times and now i can get them something little that will bring them joy so it, it isn't always about the money
0: yeah and that is good it's you know it's not wasteful it's bringing in some money and it is bringing you joy i love that
2: i do too if it doesn't bring you joy throw it out <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, oh that's i just had bad me- thoughts about people in my life that are- <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's going to have to be some people we throw out, I think, after this pandemic, too.
2: Yeah, I'm <laughs> working on that. <laughs> I know what, we're what block, do working on. The block con- button on Facebook helps. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's delightful. Unfollowing. Um, what do you think about the concept that the pandemic is actually creating an opportunity for people to maybe find their ikigai
0: I think so yeah I agree because I think especially being back at home you a lot of us are getting back to some of the things we did as children so even that idea of going back to some of the crafts and projects that we would do as kids um, it may even be things you didn't realize that you love to do so people are doing home projects And maybe they didn't realize that they were pretty handy and that they love doing that stuff or home design or working on their computers at other things that have nothing to do with their, their daytime business. Um, Even Marcy, as you said, uh, clearing out your closets and and reselling items. Um, So I think it is a real opportunity for people who have more time at home um, and obviously it's not for everyone because some of some of us are very overwhelmed by the pandemic and you just don't have the bandwidth for doing things. But for some people, you have a lot of extra time and it gives you uh the space to come up with something else to to be doing. And so it gives you that room to figure out what it is you really love and are passionate about and maybe could make some money at too. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Can I get
1: paid for doing jigsaw puzzles.
0: God, I would, right? <laughs> paint by numbers
2: that's so funny <laughs> speaking of paint by numbers um you know how i mentioned that i ordered something off instagram and every time i've ever ordered anything off instagram i just pay for it and it just never shows up and it finally struck me it's like you know the commonality here is instagram everything i've ever ordered there never shows up so I yeah. I'm gonna stick to amazon well joy 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 yesterday my paint by number set arrived from china and so since it's from China, I now realize why it took so long to get here, but um, just thought I would share that piece of good news that it's here
0: and I will be engaging in some paint by numbers soon. Excellent. I've been working on my one from Amazon, but uh, my other ones from Etsy haven't come yet. So Etsy's always slow because it comes from everywhere and anywhere. Yes. And, and a lot of people, you know, I've gotten messages and been in discussions with um, the various sellers uh, and and why they've been delayed. So, you know, everybody's very transparent. Most people are very transparent about the delays and I have no problem with that. So um, I bet you make new friends on Etsy. Oh yeah. I just, there was a woman, um, I ordered a friend, a uh, black lives matter sign and uh, this poor woman um, she's a, it's a black owned woman business and she, normally sells three to 400 signs a month, and she sold 9,072 hours. And wow. so she emailed me and she was like, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. You <laughs> going to be late. And I feel like I'm letting people down. And I was like, oh, you're not letting people down. Take as much time as you need, and yes, I still want to go ahead with the order. It's fine, like it's really, it's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> did she did she just lose her ikigai? guy? Is that what happened? I felt so bad for her. She was like, "Here's my statistics," and uh, I thought, "Oh my god, this poor woman must have just been like, whoa, <laughs> okay." And so she I temporarily shut her shop down because that she must have just been shocked by uh what came in so i was like nope we'd like to go ahead but take your time and we understand it's fine
2: send so, me the link like, to that uh, i want to um i, I might want to do i want to give her more business um when yeah, she's, ready. This
0: is she's ready right now <laughs>
2: no,
0: I mean, no but you can you can be alerted when her shop reopens so um, <laughs> i'll send you the link there you go. I get. feel
1: like that. That sounds like a, like when icky guy goes wrong.
0: <laughs> <I don't laughs> know. When you wake up one morning and you're like, "Oh God, this isn't what I hoped for in my life." I'm too <laughs> <successful>. <laughs> Now I need a nap.
2: There used okay. to be a commercial about this. Um, I think it was three or four entrepreneurs launched something incredible, and they were about to go live. And as soon as they went live on the web all these hundreds of thousands of orders started coming in and it was the same kind of thing. It was a visual of what your friend is going through. They were like, Oh my God, what were we thinking? Um, yeah. You know, sort of have to have a warehouse full of backups <laughs> just in case.
0: Um,
2: right. I mean, it's a dance. You dance. want to be
0: successful, but ooh, sometimes success overwhelms you. Not yeah. Not
1: yet, but I hear that happens. It's <laughs> a <laughs> good, good problem to have. Right.
0: Yes, that's the problem you want, not the opposite problem.
1: Exactly. We used to always, when when we would get to a place in our business where we felt like we were overwhelmed, but we still had new work coming in, uh, the advice that I always received from the guy I worked for, my mentor, was, you know, close the business and we'll worry about how to get it done afterwards. (laughs) And so it's always been the mentality that I'll take. It's like, I know I personally can't handle this project, but I'm going to close it and then I'll figure it out. And it's, it's great advice, but it's Uh, certainly, yes, it can be daunting.
2: (laughs) I think that's great advice too. Gives you time to reflect, to think, to re, you know, uh, chart your course, so forth and so on. Yeah. Well, let me ask you ladies this. Um, We want to turn the question on you, Marcy. Um, How close are you to your icky guy? And we're not saying icky guy, because we know he's awesome. (laughs) We should totally talk about him another day. I would love to.
0: (laughs) Not on the podcast though, that poor man.
1: Oh, so I, I think I'm pretty close and I'm making strides towards getting closer. Nice. Yes. And like I said, I think the one question for me is what the world needs. And I think for me, at some point, that means pivoting my business so that I'm doing more work with leaders and helping to build and create leaders, which is something that I do and I love. And I do feel that that falls into the category of what the world needs because now I'm creating a situation where people are getting personal benefit out of what I'm doing and just not just you know the firm making more money so that's where I am right now and so I think as my business continues to evolve and push more in that direction I'm I'm getting exactly where I want to be I love that I love
0: that too that's great
1: Yes, the world
2: does need more of that because those people who are effective transformational leaders lead by example and make others want to be that way as well. And you can lead at whatever level you are in, in your work life, in your personal life, you can be a leader. So yes, the world needs more of that. We need to transition away from this hierarchical leadership style that maybe still is appropriate in the military when you're out in battle, but it is not appropriate in, you know, what I call the work family integration, which is life. You know, you go to work and you should be able to bring your whole self there. You go home, you should be able to bring your whole self there. Um, so yeah, Marcy, what you do is good for the world.
0: Thank you. I totally agree with that. And I think one of the things that's been really cool, and I've been talking about it with some of my law firm leaders, is that the pandemic has really destroyed a lot of that work-life separation uh, because, you know, anytime you're on a Zoom call, there's the possibility that your child or your spouse or your dog will, you know, pop in at any time. So, um, you know, people have to be more understanding. Uh, There's more, there's less division Um, there's less division between offices. If if firms have multiple offices, if companies have multiple offices and, and we're just getting to know each other better, you see into people's homes. Um, so I think I'm hoping going forward as people do start to get back to the office, that there is more of that, that, um, understanding of that, uh, that people keep some of that and, uh, and we have more of that balance. Um, I know it's not really a balance, but um, I, I like that idea that we really get to know each other a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I love every, that. There I one hundred percent agree. I just did a um, a podcast with Greg Lambert, his in in seclusion podcast, and that was exactly. He said, "What is coming out of this that you're most excited about?" And that was my answer. So, we're great minds think alike. <laughs> well, i
2: say, I'll say that. Um, Everybody got to know my life a little better when my husband walked naked from the shower, the guest room shower, into the guest room, which has been now um, made into my office. And he he thought I was on a podcast with you ladies, like he knows it's only audio, but I wasn't. Oh, I was actually <laughs> I was actually on a Zoom meeting, and the woman said, "Oh my God, is that your husband?" Which I thought was kind of an odd thing to say because. <laughs> What what was I going to say? No, that's some random naked man in my house. (laughs) But he was horrified because
1: not only... Thank goodness it was your husband.
2: (laughs) Yes. 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 Um, But it it was really, really bad because we have these cheesy, you know, Brady Bunch 1970 mirrored glass closet doors. And he was standing... Yeah, he was standing in front of them about to open them to pick his clothes out for the day because there's no room in our closets upstairs for his clothes so he keeps his clothes in the guest room down here and so it was bad i'm like she, i mean she really got a um the full monty so yeah wow. well my there was cousin's
0: not fun like we are he did not think it was funny at all <laughs> there was a woman i want to say she was a spanish no a mexican senator. Um, and she appeared topless, uh, 66 year old Senator appeared topless accidentally on a zoom call that included (sighs) the press, um, the other day. Yeah. So she, she had the best response though. She said, you know, I'm proud of my body. I gave birth to X number of children and, and, uh, breastfed them. And, you know, so, so fortunately it worked out so that, you know, she's, but she was on for a while. She just didn't realize she was on video and, uh, yeah, this poor woman. Um, but she, she turned it into a sort of women's empowerment moment, but, um, yes, I mean, it was like probably 25, 30 people on the zoom call. Oh plus.
2: my God.
0: Yeah. And she was just, I
2: can I mean, see the bottom half being not quite dressed for, you know, right. Camera ready but, or what have you, but the top, she should have gone with the breastfeeding thing.
0: <laughs> totally topless, totally topless.
2: Wow, I didn't read that story or
0: hear that story. Or,
2: and I certainly didn't see that story. No,
0: I mean, there was an accompanying <laughs> visual too, so I, I which I thought was probably not appropriate to do that to this woman and continue. Wow. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad she owned it and turned it around and said, yep, these are mine. This is who I am.
0: <laughs>
2: wow, interesting, interesting. So Marcy, this is one of my favorite topics we've ever had. Thank you for bringing this to um, light.
1: It's a fun topic. And it's one of the things that I think makes me, well, it makes me excited to think about it. And it makes me excited as a concept to pass on to other people, to get other people introduced to it and thinking about it for their own lives. I also think there's the question of why don't more people pursue Ikigai in their lives. And I don't know if it's simply from, I, mean, I certainly can, can enumerate different reasons, but when I think about it initially, part of it is just awareness, and I don't know that we're raised necessarily, or not all of us, to think that we can do this, right? So yeah. I think about even myself with my own children. My Right now, they're at the age that my younger son wants to be a professional baseball player, and my older son wants to be a professional football player, and mm-hmm. I'm awful now that I think about this, in that I'm like, well, what's your backup? And I'm like, that's a, not necessarily the right way to encourage them to pursue their ikigai, right? Yeah. So I don't know. There's a balance between, I guess, being practical and realistic and setting your children up for success since the percentages are really against them being professional ball players someday. And then at the same time, giving them the tools to pursue their passion.
2: You're such a data nerd. Sometimes you take the fun out of it, mom. I know, I do. <laughs> I <will say> this <laughs> the too. odds are against you. No. <laughs> I will say this, that um, I think when, it, it takes courage, right? So to pursue the ikigai, I will say that when you're young, you haven't faced those things that are going to try to stop you from pursuing your dreams or make you sad or hurt you or put you down or... Cut you. I mean, God, the list could go on because I I have been there. But then, when you get old enough, you say, "F I'm I'm good to go. I only need me. Other people's opinions of me is none of my business. I can only be my highest and best self." And that courage comes back. When you're young, it might be naivete. When you're older, it might be wisdom. But it takes courage to pursue your ikigai. There's a lot mm-hmm. of risk.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think when you're Younger too, you're worried about disappointing more people. And Susan, as you say, then as you get older, you start to realize that you're going to disappoint people anyway, and you probably don't care as much about that. And you realize that you need to stop disappointing yourself. So um, it, a lot of that does come with age. Um, I think you that's a little bit of a continuum and you have to stop doing that over time. Um, but, you know, Marcy, to your point too, I think Um, yeah, as kids, you don't know what you don't know. So it's like, it feels possible as, as a child to, to be a baseball player, to be, you know, like when I was 17, I wanted to be an FBI profiler until I realized that I had to work with really bad criminals. Um, then I thought maybe I don't want to do that. Uh, but, uh, um, You know, like all of those dreams. And you also don't know what is possible out there because, you know, I certainly didn't know that I could be executive director of a network where I could travel the world either. Um, I didn't know that was a job. Um, So, you know, you learn a lot more and, and the world opens up to you. But then you also figure out, like, what is it that I really love and what can I do to support myself so that I can do what I really love, but also eat and have a home and, you know, things that I need to sustain myself. So, um, it definitely takes courage. Um, but, uh, also a little common sense, but, you know, I mean, I think Susan going back to your point in the beginning, I think I always try to remind myself that, um, you know, Vera Wang didn't design her first dress until she was 40. Um, now look at her, mm-hmm. she'll, amazing at 70. I hope I look as good as she does at 70. Um Oprah, you know, didn't really become Oprah until she was in her, was it late 30s or early 40s? Um so there's plenty of time, not that we want to let time go by, but there's plenty of time for all of us to be who we're meant to be. So um, I think we got to get on those pursuits, but uh it's it's okay to not know who you are when you're 40. <laughs> which is what I like for me you know it's not a lack of courage it's that I really just don't know where I want to be or what I want to do so uh, I still have to figure that out so
2: and you will I and love we'll that. be right there yeah. lifting you up holding your hand and cheering you on
0: I know you will I appreciate that
2: yeah. wearing yeah. our masks that's right <laughs> maybe we won't be holding your hand
0: Looking at me, giving me an air hug or a hug with a garbage bag on or something like that.
2: That was so hilarious, Lindsay. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) I know. know. Yeah, for people that don't know, I went to see a friend of mine a couple weeks ago and gave her a hug covered in garbage bags.
2: Yeah, it was such (laughs) a funny picture. Yeah. (laughs) You're awesome. You ladies are both so awesome. Thank you so much for being here every week. You're the highlight of my week you have made this shelter in place doable. Mm -hmm. Um, We laugh a lot. Some of the stuff we say may not make sense to you people who listen, but just keep listening and you'll get the groove that we're in. Um, (laughs) Katie works hard and, and because our time zones are different sometimes, you know, like I'm, I'm eight o'clock over here when we start this and Lindsay, you're what? 11. Yep. Yeah. So their days have started when my, their days have already started and gotten midway through when mine just starts. So sometimes you'll have all of us on the call, a couple of us on the call. And today you had three of us on the call. So stay tuned. Uh, there's more to come every Friday. We'll put this out and please look on the, um, Facebook group for the resources that we share after each episode. You can also find the episodes on, um, iTunes. And now you can find them on iHeartRadio. So thanks for tuning in. And ladies, thanks for hosting. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Susan. Bye, everybody.